Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. And Thank you, church family, for being here. Good morning to everyone. Hope you're doing well. We, uh, we're in the midst of this locked-in message series, working our way through the, the letter of Colossians, and the idea is to just keep our eyes on has for each one of us, knowing that there's some good that he created each of us to do. And uh, yeah, today, I, and the image that, that came to my mind this week as I continue to come back to, to this idea of locked in was Peter, as he's out there in the storm, steps out of the boat, and he fixes his eyes on Christ. The moment he takes his eyes away from Christ, his, uh, he begins to sink. And so hopefully today, and, and today... So have been praying over this, this time together of worship, have been asking the Lord just to, to not let any of us leave this place the same way. And that's our prayer every week, but today as we look to the text that we're going to look at and hear from uh, Linda, she sh- shares her faith story, just asking God to, to do a work in each of our hearts to, to form us more like himself. Before we dive into our text, though, I wanted to just take a minute to to have a quick team huddle to say thank you, but first to say, have I told you lately that I love you? And as one of your pastors and as a brother in Christ, just um, so good to get to, to do life together and to follow Jesus together. And I, I just hope you know that I love you as my brother and sister in Christ. And and want to say a huge thank you to everyone who helped out with our Summerfest last week and huge win and what a gift to be able to gather for our uh, just all church celebration enjoying the simple things of life like some good barbecue some uh, fun games and stuff for the kids and just a good time of fellowship together but it took a team and so I want to thank our administrative team from Abby Bickle and Tyson Marcy to um, our volunteer staff that jumped in there Tyler and Kayla and so many others those of you on the food team helping serve make apple pies Thank you, those of you with the games. We had uh, Team Clark and uh, Team Breland and so many others. And those of you who just hung out and made it a party, thank you. We uh, at staff, Tyson did a great job leading us through a Good Better Best session on Tuesday of, as we plan for next year. But if you have input or ideas on ways to make next year's Summerfest even better, we're open to your, your input. We'd love to, to hear from you. And then wanted to just say a, a Huge thanks to our VBS team as well. And this past week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, our campus was just packed with kids and energy. And I'm running around here, but really being led by, by loving leaders to know God a little better and to grow in their faith, but also their love for him and love for those around them. So thank you to everyone who helped make that a great, uh, got some picks going on. I think Seth and... Yeah, these guys have uh, permanent jobs, don't they? Their contract will never run out. Great. And then today, I have a special moment or uh, gift for me, but to see my brother Gordon Rowe. And there's a, we're all warriors in the kingdom, but Gordon is a pastor at our sister church, Trinity, in Indianapolis, and he's now on sabbatical, and so being with us. And through this past season, um, I've sat under Gordon's ministry and 
Um, the church family there, just a, a precious church family, but God has greatly gifted him to preach, preach the word, and part of me wishes you'd just come up and preach, but, uh, but he's on rest, and I know that, but if, would you pray with him, pray for him, as that God would just refill his tank, especially as we went through the, con- the racial conflicts through 2020, um, it meant so much for me to be able to sit down with brec- at breakfast with him and just say, what's happening, and how can, I be, how can our church be praying for your church, but also to know that in Christ, we are one. There is no black, there is no white, there is no Asian, there is no male, female, or there is, but another sermon, but, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Paul listed that. Last week we were in that Christ is all, and he is in all. John 17, he prayed, Father, make them one, that the world would know that I am who I am. It's our unity in Christ. And I just thank God for, um, for Gordon's friendship, but also our church family there. And um, just want to pray up over him and, and over our time together. Father, we just thank you for the gift of, of being your kids, your children, dearly loved, chosen, holy in Christ. And to be able to gather today and fix our eyes on you, Jesus. And we pray, Lord, that you would do what only you can do that you would continue your transforming work of helping us think as you think, love as you love, do as you would do if you were living our life. And Lord, we pray that you would do a work in each of us today that would leave us walking out of this place more confident of your love for us and more fired up to do the will that you've laid before us. I thank you for Gordon and his family and just pray rest over them and refueling as they um, take a time of sabbatical thank you for the ministry of of this church of trinity and we pray that you'd provide for them in his absence and that body would be built up for your glory i pray for uh, those among us even now i know we all bring something into this room lord that's a heavy weight and i thank you that that you invite us to cast all of our cares on you because you care for us that you are faithful, that you will see us safely home. We pray in these moments that we would hear from you through your word and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, our this series we're calling this Locked In, fixing our eyes on Jesus so that we might be fit and faithful to follow him. I'd like to set the scene though and roll back rewind to the big picture of God's redemptive history and plan and how he chose a people through Abraham and remember he told Abraham through you I will bless the nations the intention was through Abraham who would become the nation of Israel that Israel would reflect the character of God in such a way that would draw all the other people groups all the other nations to him and they would be blessed through Israel in that they would know God through this, this people who would reflect the glory of God or the character of God. But we know the story. It's one failure after another. And one of those failures, moments, which really form the backdrop of, of the history of Israel, can be summed up in one strange name. And it's the name Ichabod. Now, hopefully no one is named Ichabod in the house. Do we have any Ichabods? 
here. <laughs> not a popular name. Kyle and Abby Fox about to have a child. I'm pretty sure it's not on their list of possible names, but it comes out of a moment in 1 Samuel chapter 4 where the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, God's um, really represented God's presence and he would manifest his, pre- his glory there, had been captured by the enemies of Israel because Israel had wandered from God. When Eli, the high priest, the high priest was the mediator between God and his people, heard that his two sons had died, the ark had been captured. The text says Eli fell over in his chair and broke his neck. He dies. When Eli's daughter-in-law finds out that Eli is dead, the ark is captured, her husband has died, as well as the, uh, the other brother, she begins to give birth, and it's to this child. And with her dying breath, she names him Ichabod, which means the glory of God has departed. And it's a sad moment as you just picture the, the wasteland of life apart from God. But it's that dark backdrop that forms the, really the longing of humanity for Emmanuel. Who will come through the line of Abraham, seed of David, the, the royal line who will be born in this town, Bethlehem, and who John will say, the word has has made his dwelling among us, Emmanuel, and we have seen his what? His glory. With the coming of Christ, the glory of God returns to earth. It's Ichabod no more. But Jesus is up to something far more than, than only one human radiating the glory of God. We know as he takes our sin to the cross, dies in our place to rescue us and redeem us, that he's doing so to create a people who will reflect the glory of God to a world in desperate need of that and be his presence to this world. And how does he do that? It's through the church. It's through us. We are the body of Christ. We are to be the glory of God. How? The glory of God is his character. Flowing through us, radiating through us as we are his presence here. Isn't that awesome? And it's in, really, it's this picture that that Paul is is helping us understand and and live into as we come to our text today in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. And the challenge of the day is simply this, that we would lock in on our identity and our calling as followers of Jesus Christ. So if you would join me there, Colossians 3, 12. Paul says, therefore, because we are who we are in Christ, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and with kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with each other and forgiving one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so he begins with our identity. Who are we? If if you are in Christ, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and have become part of this family, who are we? He says three words that you can sum it up with. Chosen, holy, and dearly loved. We are God's chosen people. Holy and dearly loved. Picture that, that idea of chosen 
is really, we know as we look to the story of Scripture, nothing in us deserves to be chosen, but God in His grace chose us. When we were dead in our sins, separated from Him, running from Him, He chose us to be His child, to be His own. And, and when He says holy, I think most of us are probably thinking, uh, no, <laughs> holy would not describe me at this moment, but until we understand what holy means, and it means to be set apart for a special purpose. There is a moral purity to, component to that that will be completed when we reach heaven, but, but at its core, holy means to be set apart for a special purpose so that when uh, we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are taken out of the dominion of darkness, put into the kingdom of God to do some good that he has uniquely shaped each one of us to do for his glory. And then God reminds us of this precious, precious, really core identity that we have, that we are dearly loved. I wonder if anyone needed to hear that this morning. Just a reminder that at the core of who you are, it's that you are a dearly loved child of the Most High God. And I was reminded even this week, as I was writing in my journal, I, without thinking of this text, but just processing life, I was like, Lord, would you help me to just remember that I am not at my core my accomplishments or my successes or my failures or my positions or my what other people think of me, but that, that I am at my core your dearly loved son. And that's enough. <laughs> and that out of that identity, I'm free to go and free to live and follow you. There was a, a great moment that happened this past season in our uh, basketball league, and sorry, Bobby, the, the, the downside of coaching together is you get put into all kinds of er, uh, sermon illustrations, but, uh, <laughs> but Bobby and I had the joy of coaching a team, and if you're not familiar with our church family, one of our um, we, we provide a basketball ministry to high school guys, and man, that tournament time, it's every bit as intense as the NCAA championship. I mean, to win the, the uh, bragging rights of that league, and, and so it was playoff time, and we had, um, were pumping our guys up right before the big game. Might be our last game together. So this is like, this is it. Bobby's laying it all on the line to pump these guys up. And he pulls out of his pocket this piece of paper that looks like it had been through about three wash cycles. And he's, he's like, guys, do you know what's on this paper? They're squinting to look, and it was their names. And he said, You're, each of your names, I'm guessing it was probably a prayer sheet that he was praying for them throughout the season, but he said, you know, I chose each of you on purpose because I saw something in you that you could bring to our team each one of you some it's different than others but everyone on this list has a purpose and then he said but you know what this game you're going to forget about it in five ten years but what matters most is that you know God loves you and the reason we're doing this league is we love you too and we want to see you win in life. And went on. And the funny moment was when our extroverted player on the team, Jordan, um, afterwards there was a moment of silence. And then Jordan goes, Coach, that was awesome. You almost had me in tears. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> but uh, living out of our identity, this is who we are. And so the action step for us today 
is that we would celebrate our identity. Remember our identity. Here God is saying, remember this. You are chosen, holy, dearly loved. Therefore, here's the calling. Clothe yourselves with these character qualities of Christ. The calling is simply this, to put on the character of Christ. It's interesting, this is an imperative. Now, it's true that only God can change us, and we rely on the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, to transform us, and it's only through a relationship, faith relationship, that we enter into this relationship with God where He does change us, but it's interesting that that He does call us to be active and passionately active in clothing ourselves just with the same intentionality and urgency that we would clothe ourselves before coming to church today. Put on clothes so that we would show up fully dressed. So we are to put these things on. And it's neat, the picture here is it's as if he's pulling out a dresser and just starts tossing us um, seven core virtues of Christ, the heart of Christ, as we work down through here. The first we see is compassion. It's entering another person's pain, walking toward the suffering rather than away from it. And when we experience their pain, it's more than sympathy, it's doing something to help. Our God is a God of compassion. He is with us in our pain, isn't he? He brings comfort, he brings help, and and then he says, now go comfort, help those around you as I have helped you. Clothe yourselves with compassion. The second virtue is kindness. As I was working through these two things, one, we see each one of these in the life of Christ. So, thinking, where do you see the kindness of our Lord? And it's all over his, through his life. But I also think we see it in the people around us. Who's the kindest person you've met? So you think kindness. I, my mind just defaults to grandma and grandpa, right? <laughs> my grandma, I, I don't know how. But what, so what is kindness? And I love this definition. It's a desire for the happiness of others. Just like grandma wants for, for us that I would live that towards all people. It's thinking about their good as being as important as my own. How kind has God been to us? Infinite in his kindness. Making us his sons and daughters. And then he says, clothe yourselves with kindness. The third virtue is humility. Andrew Murray in his book, our pastoral team has been working through this book humility but he puts it this way i love this definition humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of god leading us to humbly serve those around us and picture jesus washing feet there on his toughest night as he's about to take our sin to the cross and what's he doing serving us and humbly and then he's saying all right with this kind of humility serve each other put this on clothe yourselves with this the fourth virtue is gentleness one of the two it's one of the two words jesus uses to describe his own heart towards us as we follow him in matthew 11 where he says take my yoke upon you me upon you learn from for me for i am humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls and aren't you thankful that our lord is gentle as he helps us walk with him picturing that yoke and two oxen and why do you have a a yoke it's so that one oxen isn't burdened to carry the whole thing and jesus says okay this is life 
You don't have to carry it. Yoke up with me. We're going to do this together. But he's, he could be like, come on, you slow, slow poke. And we're constantly getting yanked around. And, but, but how does our Lord live? Gently. Just sets a pace that's healthy. That we can do. And he's gentle with us in our weaknesses and learning moments. I picture a parent with a child. And we don't expect a three-year-old to be, you know, sprinting the 100-yard dash. And he's like that with us. And then he says, be like this with each other. You know, we all are at different levels in our faith journey, and be gentle. You help each other. And then the fifth virtue is patience. This is that idea of not being quick to react to the inevitable faults and failures of those around us. And it's significant, I think, that the Lord uses this word to describe love. It's the first word in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. It's the... Uh, how patient has the Lord been with, with us? And then calls us to put on patience. And then the sixth virtue will combine this idea of bearing with each other and forgiving one another, even as the Lord has forgiven us. And so this is the idea of just saying, I'm going to stick with you for the long haul. And I know we're going to drive each other crazy, but we're not going to cancel each other. <laughs> we're going to work through our conflict because conflict, conflict is the pathway to intimacy. And so we're going to be patient. We're going to forgive each other and just ask you is there someone that you need to forgive today maybe through covid lots of opportunities to get mad at each other and a barrier to erect and could god be saying hey today's the day this week's the week to just go forgive them don't give the devil a foothold in your soul but rather just forgive as the lord forgave you and then the seventh virtue is love this is that unrelenting pursuit of the good of another person regardless of their worthiness of that of our love which fuels all these other virtues so the action step today coming out of this is that we would put these clothes on now seven putting on seven clothes a lot to remember in one moment so what if we take one a day would you be willing to say i'll focus in i'll, I'll lock in on one a day and this is how a, a practical way to do this one I'll pray it on as I have my daily time with the Lord I'll, so tomorrow Monday is compassion I'll pray on compassion then I'll think about where I see this in the life of Jesus and just get an inspiring moment from from his life a time when he was showing compassion so we're locked in on our Lord as he's living it out and then we're as we leave out of our time with him our goal is to practice it at some point that day. So when we hit the bed at night, we can look back and say, okay, was there a moment that I actually practiced compassion, entered into someone's pain? And then Tuesday, it's kindness. What if our entire church family are just, we're lit up on this and we're actually going and doing this. Can you imagine what God may do in our, in our context? It was earlier this year at the dedication of our baby box where you gave to our Thanksgiving offering, part of that was given to, to provide a, a baby box, which is for um, the safe haven law, which, which allows a mom who's just desperate to not abandon her baby somewhere where that baby would not be safe, but rather to put that baby in a safe place where um, people could take care of it, and then um, she would not be uh, prosecuted. And so um, thanks to your generosity, we were able to help with that, and a number of people in our community helped. And at the dedication of this, I heard Linda share her faith story and also the ministry that God gave her. And 
two things just really hit me in those moments. One was, as she shared her love for Christ, my affection and love for Christ grew. And um, she also, as she shared, there's a boldness with, uh, with pointing to Christ. He is the answer. But there's also a, um, it lit me up to take action in the realm of compassion. To be a compassionate presence. And the good that God's called me to do, to be willing to just go do that rather than get stalled out in, in good intentions. And so, did not expect to, to hear her story or, or what have you at that time, but prayed, Lord, would, would you, um, do you want our whole church family to hear, what, hear her story? And the answer or the nudge was, yes, green lights. And so, reached out to her and her team, and she's been kind enough to come today and, and share her testimony with us. So, would you join me in welcoming her? Thank you for your warm welcome. It's an honor to worship with you this morning. Sharing testimony is always a powerful tool of the gospel. And so I'm really excited to share my testimony with you this morning. The verse God gave me when I first was considering writing my book was Revelation 19.10. And it says, worship God, with a big exclamation point, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So I'm here to share with you the testimony of Jesus through my life and through the life of my ministry. I see that all the time. I see that when I share testimony, something happens in people when they hear it. And that's what Pastor John is referring to. When he heard a little bit of the testimony at that Safe Haven Baby Box dedication, he was moved and he was moved to action. And that is what I hope happens here this morning. I, I really challenge you all, as he has to action, that you would all leave here asking God a question. And that question would be, what gospel assignment has my name on it? And that before you even hear his answer, while you're sitting here this morning, you already decide that whatever he says to you, you will say yes. I just want to read from the message translation about the verse for this morning's message. Um, sometimes I like to shake it up and not just read it in my, my, like my NIV, but read it in the message and just see if there's another word or something in it that jumps out at me. And it did happen for me when I did that. And the message says, So, chosen by God for this life of love, dress in the wardrobe that God has chosen for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of whatever else you put on, you must wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. So I want to just start by saying, what is your all-purpose basic garment? We all wear one or some, and you can't see mine, and I can't see yours, because they're your undergarments, but they're what you're always wearing. And so if you're always wearing love, then you can clothe yourself with all the other virtues. You've got on what you need underneath. So let's bow and pray together before I start. God, we bow in humility to receive the blessing of your holy wardrobe. Put on your garments of praise on our backs so that we can carry your kingdom to a broken world leaving behind the fragrance of the gospel of light and love in Jesus' name. 
Thank you for giving us your armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace, and the helmet of salvation. We submit to you because Jesus, you are our all in all. Amen. I have enjoyed a privileged life. I was raised in a loving family, and I now have one of my own. I have an adoring husband, five children, three that are married, and I'm over the moon enjoying my grandchildren, all three of them. My husband runs a successful business, and I live in a beautiful home, and we have had the honor and privilege to travel to some of the most exotic places in the world. And we can afford to send our kids to college. Privilege, though, doesn't exempt anyone from the bumps and bruises that come from life. The difficulties each of us face know no boundaries, not geography, race, age, or income. Whether it's the loss of a child, the end of a marriage, the loss of a job, a chronic health issue, or the death of a dream, pain comes to us all. And my story is born out of a season of one of those very painful times. My mother had died of an 18-battle cancer time in June of 2009, and one of my daughters was battling a horrible disease that has ravaged her body. And all I wanted to do was erect boundaries, hide behind barriers, honker down, and just fight for the life of my daughter. But God. He had a different plan. Not only would God not give me permission to set up new boundaries, he was about to tear down my existing ones. After my mother died and my daughter resumed a kind of a routine back to school, an unlikely journey with God began as I learned about a baby who was found in a dumpster in downtown Indianapolis. My naive, hesitant yes to calling the coroner about that baby launched me into a very unlikely journey. I offered to God, who was prompting me that day, to say yes, that I would just do what he asked me to do one step at a time. I'm going to be really honest. I wanted to run from pain, and yet God wanted to heal me by actually sending me to places to carry the pain of others. How could I have known that life's meaning would be re revealed to me in places so vividly full of death? The assurance that God's ways are not our ways took an unexpected meaning, and ultimately it was his way, not mine, that brought me back to life. My natural impulse, and I can say I pretty much bet many of you would say this too, is that we want to avoid suffering, right? Like we're not praying every day like, Lord, bring on the suffering. So we push away pain. We dodge death. I shy away from being uncomfortable and anything awkward or unpredictable. I wanted comfort, and I sought comfort in all kinds of ways. I mean, hey, I read the best Christian books. I was doing a bunch of Bible studies, and I was going to women's conferences. I was worshiping to all the coolest worship songs. But I 
and realized that even when I started trying to plan my family to vacations to have more and more distraction from the pain, I couldn't keep the sadness at bay. As I accepted Jesus' invitation to go where he was leading, I experienced my own comfort among those who suffer. The grieving widow, the childless parent, the abandoned spouse, and the suffering survivor. When I followed Jesus, often with uncertainty, he led me into the sacred place of suffering where I found strength and comfort. And it's what I was looking for all along. It's really where I found new life. And though I still did not presume to know what God was up to, I can say for certain that every time I squeaked out another hesitant yes, God has led me, and his presence has always been enough. You know, human suffering is where he really is, and that's not a secret. God promises us in Psalm 147.3 to bind up the brokenhearted. And so it's not surprising that that's where I encountered grace and I was actually transformed. It's where God continues to meet me today. And I'm convinced that however suffering touches your life or the life of people in your life, I believe it's where God longs to meet you even more deeply. He knows your name was birthed when that breaking news story about that baby found in a dumpster in October of 2009 happened. The news report said baby Doe found in a dumpster wearing only a diaper. Those words made no sense to me, and I was unable to process them until God flipped them, as only he can because his economy is upside down. And he spoke right to my heart. He said, Doe is not a name, a dumpster is not a grave, and a diaper is not burial clothing. After planning my mother's funeral, giving her honor and dignity and grace because she's a child of God and she deserved it all, I realized, I, riding on the coattail of that memory and my grief, I thought this baby deserves the exact same thing. So I called the coroner's office and I followed that criminal investigation that went 13 months. I made sure that that baby was given a name, and he was. His name was Nicholas. He was given a beautiful funeral and burial. And it was in that year of waiting that God revealed to me the blueprint of a ministry that he was birthing that I had made no sense to me. I had never experienced pregnancy loss, infant loss, and yet he was birthing in me a holy calling and, and, and realizing that like my experience was not what was going to equip me or qualify me and give me the authority to do work that God had given me to do in his kingdom. He, in fact, is the authority giver. He equips and qualifies, and that's what he did to me. My book is full of chapters giving testimony to his love and his compassion and his gentleness and his mercy and his action. And this morning, as Pastor John also said this, we want this morning to be about action. Don't just sit here and receive without thinking like asking God what's next for me. I now want to introduce you to Amelia. 
Her legacy is changing the world. When God whispered that into my ear, it was really hard for me to believe, but now I am seeing it with my own eyes. On December 28, 2014, an abandoned girl was found on a freezing cold night at Eagle Creek Park by a hiker. She was wearing a blue sweatshirt that said Vincennes University Aviation Department. When I saw the news report, I knew I would claim her and I would name her Amelia. The meaning of her name means defender, and I knew that the word defender in the book of Proverbs was capitalized, so I knew that it was a character quality of God's. So I thought, there is anointing on this baby's life because she is being named with the meaning of a character quality of God the Creator himself. So I asked him, okay, what's this little baby's big legacy going to be? And he did instantly say to my heart that it would be about the safe haven law. And I thought, that doesn't really make a lot of sense because there's already a safe haven law. And then I was reminded that the Bible says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come for you. Jesus spoke those very words from his heart of rescue, and he was calling me to help rescue his little ones. So I now fight for the legacy of babies, and I adopt them in death. At Amelia's funeral, I met Monica Kelsey, who's the founder of Safe Haven Baby Box. She was working on legislation at the time. She asked me if I would give testimony to baby Amelia to the Senate and the House of Representatives because she wanted the law passed, and she didn't want everyone hearing about it, thinking that these babies are just numbers. They're humans, and they have names, and they have purpose on their life. So I said yes to that big yes. I will come, and I was absolutely terrified. We are saving lives all over this country <clears throat> through the Safe Haven Law and the Safe Haven Baby Boxes. And I want to thank you for your part in contributing <clears throat> to the Safe Haven Baby Boxes in your community. They are showing themselves to be so effective. When the law was passed in the year 2000, there, the government spent no money on education or awareness for the safe haven law. And in 2014, when baby Amelia was found, and she landed on the cover of the Indianapolis Star, I was on the news 33 times between Thursday and Sunday, and all I did was talk about the safe haven law. Do you know that now, with the Safe Haven Law, emphasized with the Safe Haven Baby Box, which you guys have supported so generously, there are 11 babies that have been rescued in those boxes, healthy and alive. They have been adopted in 30 days and received medical care in under two minutes. They are with their forever families. They will be loved and educated, and they have purpose on their lives. I think that's absolutely incredible. What's also super incredible is the collaboration of my ministry with Safe Haven Baby Box because now Amelia's footprint is on the logo of the Safe Haven Baby Box. So when any mother walks up to that box to safely and honestly surrender her baby, she has to see the footprint of a baby that wasn't saved by one. The boxes are now up to like 72 boxes in five states with legislation just going through the roof all across the country. It's spreading in a movement. And what's really amazing is that the hotline is rescuing babies as well, and that almost, almost, like over 100 babies have been saved through the hotline as well. So I am honored to carry Amelia's legacy because I am her voice. 
I have claimed and buried and celebrated the life of 29 babies in 11 years of ministry. I have placed about 120 headstones in about eight different states, and I've resourced hundreds and hundreds of families who need bereavement resources all over this country from tragic loss or in-home death. So to say that he knows your name has radically changed my life is an understatement. But Jesus, he has supernaturally changed my life, and my family is so supportive of the work that I do, and my husband often cries with me as I carry out the mission of life and justice. Last year, the Lord asked us to do something we could have never imagined. Right before COVID hit in February, this is a miracle. I, I got a call from an adoption attorney here in Indianapolis who asked me if I could meet him at Riley Hospital to discuss a baby who was in the NICU. I dropped everything I was doing and I headed down there. He told me that this baby was not going to live. I told him, of course I'll take care of this baby after she dies because that's what I do. I have resources. I'm equipped to do that. And then he said to me, oh, no, you don't understand. I'm asking you to take care of her in life so that she can die. Would you become the guardian of this baby? Would you meet with her medical team and hear about what needs to happen next? Her mother was a homeless addict and wanted the baby adopted. And this attorney called all over this country and no one answered his calls. So he called me. I met with the entire team of specialists at Riley Hospital that afternoon. They all took care of this critically ill baby and with tears streaming down their professional faces, they were very sad to tell me what they needed to suggest to me that needed to be done. She was rapidly declining and her suffering was increasing. So by four o'clock that day, I signed the papers to become the guardian of this baby. And at their advice, I told them before I left that I would take her off life support. I knew heaven was this close, right? I told them I'd come back the next day and spend the day with her. And as I was pulling out of the parking garage at Riley Hospital, my husband called me to see what we were going to have for dinner. And through weeping sobs, I told him where I was and what I was doing because he had no idea where I was. And I told him I needed to come back to the hospital tomorrow. And he said to me, you are not going alone. So my husband and I went back to Riley Hospital Saturday morning and spent the day with this baby. We call her Abigail. We named her worshiped over her, read scripture over her, prayed for her, washed her feet, anointed her with oil, and baptized her. We dressed her in a beautiful white dress. And then we were told that once she was taken off of life support, she would only live a minute or two. And after two hours, she finally breathed her last and was in the arms of Jesus. Abigail Elise Zanako is one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given. I officiated her funeral the next weekend. There was standing room only at the Washington Park East Chapel. And that story landed itself on the cover of the Indianapolis Star. A baby that was hidden and unnamed and unknown was celebrated by so many and known by name. Several weeks after her death, my adoption friend, attorney friend, called me again and he said, would you like to legally adopt Abigail 
I mean, like, in life. I've adopted babies in death, but I have never adopted a baby in life. And he said, you know, because you signed guardianship papers of her in life, the birth certificate and death certificate can have your name on it. She will legally be yours. You see, my husband and I have four biological children. Never did we think in this last year of COVID, when everything got turned upside down and things were crazy and uncertain, that we, turning 60 this year, would have adopted a baby. And I have already seen the legacy of Amelia, excuse me, Abigail, come alive. And I have great expectation that it will be very grand. God works in mysterious ways. The Bible tells us to clothe ourselves with virtues of God since we have been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness to all, even the least of these. His economy is, in fact, upside down. And when we surrender our lives to him, he transforms us into his likeness. He dresses us in his wardrobe that he has chosen for us. Then and only then can we really reflect his image and bring light to darkness and love where there's hate and bring justice where there is injustice. That's when our lives are truly most satisfying. I have tasted and seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. Saying yes to God and no to this world has allowed the supernatural to come down from heaven and kiss earth. Amen. Is anyone else fired up to go love like Christ? I love that question of what's the next gospel assignment that God has for you? He has one. And are you ready to say yes? Just say it now, and then when it comes, we're in. God called a daughter to go give an unnamed child a name. And man, I, I hear that, and I think about that. That's Christ in Linda. And she was willing to go do that, and, but she's reflecting our God's love. And then I'm reminded, I'm that child. I was the one who was far from him, broken, dead, name, rebe rebel, sinner. And Jesus came with a compassion that knows no end, to redeem me and he came at great cost died in my place and he's given me everything i'm i'm his you were we're sons and daughters of the king the kingdom is ours but for a a day on earth before our eternity with him we get to go share his compassion and, and i know i pray that this picture i know in my mind of linda it just moves me to Who's the vulnerable? Who's the suffering? Who's the, where can I go and just lift in the name of Christ? So 
If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, maybe you're listening to this and you realize, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. We'd love to talk with you about that. And that's the, the greatest gift ever, that God loves you, loves you as you are, loves you, though, in a way that he won't leave you as you are. He'll change you, but it comes through a relationship where you trust him as your Savior and what he did for you on the cross. He died in your place so that your sin could be forgiven and you could be, have peace with God, know him, love him, follow him for eternity. Could I ask also that we just pray for Linda as she does this ministry and where God is at work in a ministry close to the Father's heart, the enemy is always hitting too. And so as you think of her, just remember her and her family as well. But let's pray. Father, we just thank you for these moments in your presence, in your word, Lord, and just reminding us of who we are, chosen, holy, and dearly loved. And then that you've given us these character qualities, these virtues to put on and that we can do this by your power and I thank you for Linda and her story and being willing to share this I pray Lord that you would amplify her message and ultimately the beautiful truth of the gospel that you love us and help us to go from this place saying yes to to whatever the gospel assignment is that that you have before us today and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus amen if you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.